It's the internet. You're busy. Let's do this. Welcome to the Games Beat Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything about the world of video games so you don't have to think for yourself. I'm your host, Jeffrey Grubb, and with me is... Mike Minotti. <sighs> How's it going, Mike? What are you up to today? Uh, well, just, you know, busy, busy week, surprisingly, with work. Yeah, uh, a suddenly busy week, yeah. Yeah, I, a lot of, like, I mean, the it was, news it was came out fun, I guess, those exciting stories, you know, yeah, it's we'll, interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely be getting all, all in, into all of that in the news section. It was just like, the year was quiet, 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 and then they're like, oh yeah, we have to like get back to work, and, and then suddenly everyone just threw out everything, all at one time. Uh, that's kind of been our last two days. We're Like I said, we're going to get into that. We're going to also talk about some of the games we've been playing. First, though, I want to thank everybody for joining us. You can always get more from me and Mike at GamesBeat.com. If you have something to share with us, you can email the podcast at GamesPlusPodcastAdventureBeat.com uh, or on Twitter at, at GBDecides and at GamesBeat. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, uh, if I put up a video version, you can subscribe to the audio version on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and more. Uh, and if you like the show, you can always rate us on Apple Podcasts to help other people find it. Finally, thanks to Carlos Ayin, who is insane in the rain music on YouTube for the use of our theme song. Uh, yeah, Mike, we could just hop right into like, kind of what we've been playing recently. Um, sure. Yeah, so what, why don't we start with you? you got a, a, a new game that is an old game that you put out a review of, and I yeah. want to talk to you about it. What's up? Well... So the, the game I reviewed was uh, New Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, which it, it angers me whenever I write that name because it's just <laughs> you don't realize how bad of a name that is until you write it all. Yeah, it's down. pretty bad. It's like first you have this new thing, which was a holdover of like when they made the one and it was cute then, but this is like the fourth one. Then you have the U, which like like indicates how it was made for this other system that it's not on now. So now we have deluxe to like also indicate this other thing. They're, they're trying to convey so much information in that title. And it is so like, I I don't know what else you would have done. I mean, right. but, Oh, I just, but it's, yeah, you're right. It has all these vestigial limbs that are, that are like leftovers from old naming conventions that they used once upon a time. And it's just, it, it really does like strike home that like, at least for the names, yeah, they have to like do something new. They need to like strike out in a new direction and just like separate themselves from this all these holdovers. Uh, but but you know that said, how how is the game? I mean, you know, it's fine. It's it's good. It's you know, I mean, it's a two D Mario game, and like it's hard to imagine even that it's worse that it's that bad. I if you enjoy playing it, you there's never like a moment where it's a like offensive or something's like strikes you as being real dumb. Uh, maybe the music will get on your nerves, all the want wahs and stuff. Yeah. Um, I guess like the thing that strikes me about it though is just like kind of how forgettable it all is. Mm-hmm. Like I was having this moment, and uh, it was you know I was actually watching games then quick, and it was somebody was playing through Mario RPG, and I haven't actually played that game like pretty much since like at least most of it since I played it when I was like ten for the first time, right? And I was watching them pretty deep in the run, and I remembered. Like, almost every detail, right? I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, and then this guy says that, and then this happens. It was all so memorable to me. And, like, a week after beating Super Mario Brothers U Deluxe, and, like, it's mind you, it's a game I had played before even. Like, I barely remember anything about it. Like, one yeah. of the few things that it does do, like, artistically interesting are these sets of levels that are kind of Van Gogh-looking. And I forgot, I forgot that happened until I, like, put the screenshot in because oh yeah they did that that was neat i guess i liked that right yeah does a lot of that just come down to design and art and music 
Well, I think the arts and art and music's part of the problem. It's it's just kind of. I mean, the music is it's just maybe just objectively bad. The art is just such a kind of bland Mario thing with nothing much else going on except like the one time they randomly do a Van Gogh thing. I'm also right. like, why don't you do, why don't you just do that for the whole game then? Like like one of the great things about Mario is its kind of you know versatility and how they can do a lot of different things with it. And usually the 3D games are better with that. That was one of the, my complaints about uh, Mario 3D World that that you didn't get quite as much was that it was like the one 3D Mario game that that had that problem the most for me. But even yeah. that game was doing some interesting things with kind of having like a bit of like a theme parky aesthetic. And it was pretty clever with all the cat stuff. Um, and it was like the first, it was the first HD 3D Mario. And I, right. I kind of got a lot of mileage out of that for sure. Yeah, yeah it looks really good. I mean, the other thing too, I mean, the new Super Mario Brothers games are so like reverent of uh, like the older Mario games that it somehow simultaneously feels like Mario 1, Mario 3, and Mario World. Like it feels, it's so familiar to all three of those. Even though those three games feel distinct from each other, but right. this game like feels like all of those without ever feeling like its own thing either. Like like the most it does is when there are some sections that actually like encourage more of the wall jumping stuff. Like that can be fun, but otherwise it's like oh, this is kind of like Mario World or this is kind of like Mario Three. Yeah, uh, I've definitely seen a, a range of reactions to it. Some people uh, love this game. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think some people are just kind of there and they're they're there for the platform and they think it's really, really, really solid. I mean, is is that stuff striking with you? Is it, is uh, it hitting home? Yeah, I mean, the platforming, it's fine. I have a lot more fun if I just ignore, like, getting those gold coins. Okay. I just kind of run through levels. Like, that seems way more satisfying to me. Like, kind of, like, stopping and, like, figuring out what to do or, oh, I missed this gold coin. Maybe I'll restart the level and go through that section again, you know. Uh, I don't know, like, you know, I I only I just only beat Mario 3 for the first time finally, like, a couple months ago, and that experience, you know, all these years later was still super fun and interesting. Right. And I'm not sure, and this, again, I don't know what the difference is, really. I mean, Mario 3 is doing some interesting things aesthetically, but it's kind of, oh, it's kind of a play, and here's this wacky world where everything's big. It's it's kind of having more fun, much more fun with itself than this game is having. Right. It just it does feel very much like they are playing from a style guide for, for these games. And uh, this was, the, you know, the fourth one of those. And it just kind of it definitely right. it's the fourth one of those, And now it's the fourth one of those again. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with it. And, I, you know, if you're going to play it, you're going to have fun. Um, and if you're really into like the four player thing, maybe you'll you'll really like it. I never cared too much for that. I always kind of thought that was almost like nerve wracking. Like yeah. having to like avoid these other people, and then they'll get bored, so they just pick you up and laugh at themselves. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I um, I always preferred uh, New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Uh, out of all four of those games, that's the that's the one I like genuinely love. Uh, this one was my second favorite, but it, uh, you know, after playing the Wii one, which I thought was great, it was like, okay, well, we're doing the same art again and the same music, and it's kind of like they've amplified a little bit of the, a lot of that stuff a little bit, where it's like the music was kind of the worst it's ever been in in those games, where it's just that wah wah all the time, and then, um, yeah, and then like yeah, the game just the game wasn't quite as challenging to me as the Wii one was, which is what I really I, like. I would so. have a hard time distinguishing in my brain now what made the Wii one different from the Wii U one. I, yeah, I know the Mario. At least I know that the second one on the DS was all about the gold coins. I don't really remember how that like like anything specific about it. Aside from that, it was all about coins. Yeah, that's kind of all it was. And then, but the U one has that very good. has the squirrel power up, which I mean it's fine, but it's just you know 
a, a variation on the typical gliding slash flying Mario power up that right. all these games has. So it's not like, you know, shaking the universe. Yeah, so, it's just, um, yeah, I, I, I just hope they can kind of springboard from here and do something new next time. I, yeah, it, it is like, if they want to make another 2D Mario game, and I'm sure they're going to, I really hope it's not another new Super Mario Brothers. I hope it's for sure something a little different, a little bit more daring, which, I mean, you know, Super Mario Maker kind of was. I don't know if that's just next, but that's fine. But I I, sure, I, I think I would have liked if they just did um, Mario 3D World on Switch first, which uh, I, I imagine is still coming. Yeah, I, I mean, there's no reason for that not to come just because it was another one of those games on the Wii U that like could find a lot of a much larger audience on the Switch. So I would hope so. That's a good game. Um, okay, and then uh, re- you got Red Dead Redemption Two written down here. Did I beat it. it. Yeah. Okay. Got through it. Right. I did it. You and, hit, man. And, this I, I'm like, almost afraid to say this game's name around you. <laughs> no, it's fine. It's what I mean. <laughs> I've, 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 I feel like I've said my piece at this point w- w- about this game, and I could kind of just let people have their feelings about it. But I mean, what'd you end up thinking? I, I am ultimately on the side of liking it. I have to say, okay. it's just. Like all the gameplay problems and all the kind of like like fundamental, I guess, design issues that don't seem to work with each other, which definitely exists. And I agree with you on a lot of those. Just the the storytelling and the like acting specifically is so good that it still made it like entertaining and enjoyable for me. Right. And it's one of those things where the more you play it, the more invested you get. Like towards the end of it, I was so in love with Arthur Morgan. I thought that character is just fantastic i don't think there's ever been a better voice acting performance in a game that i can think of uh like it's it's you know kind of like that no one north like the first time we had Nathan drake level of like right. whoa this is what oddly better than everything we've had before what's going on here um yeah just you know this the game is very long which is almost a problem but you do kind of get this like attachment to all the characters because of it yeah, that's basically, like, I almost wanted to write the story, and maybe I still will, but this week was so busy, like, about how, like, the story is good enough to kind of redeem the weaker aspects right. of the game. Like, you know, like, some people, it's kind of like how I never got into, like, a Telltale game, right? Um, which is a story-driven game, but the gameplay is, the gameplay itself is kind of boring, but you're there for the story. This is mm-hmm. almost kind of like that, except, like, the story stuff isn't just, like, maybe written interesting, but it's acted interesting because they kind of had money to throw around to create the most ridiculous looking character models and have every scene fully animated and, you know, have things like cinematographers and stuff like that. And, you know, maybe the shooting and the riding on a horse isn't great, but I guess it's slightly more interesting to me than like a quick time event in a telltale game still. And that's almost how I kind of saw it all were just the things I did until the next story sequence. That that makes sense. I I could see that. I I just, for, Telltale, the games that uh, the, the Telltale games that I played that like really worked for me. It was you know they're not trying to do any of this extra stuff, so it doesn't like like when they when it is just a quick time event. It's like okay, this is going to be a momentary distraction from uh, what I considered the real game, which was trying to like figure out how to like talk to these other characters and try to figure out their motivations and like what I could do to uh, like what options I could have. Like it was all stuff in my head. It was all kind of an illusion, but it was like. Uh, an illusion that I thought was pretty fair and like that, that I don't think the game was actually trying to hide that like that it is an illusion where right. I thought Red Dead it was like it was trying to obfuscate a lot of that stuff and kind of distract you from um, from a, from the, the core idea of like it is mostly about this story and the story is going to play out in a very specific way. And, and right. And uh, it certainly but, is but a here's an illusion that, of freedom. Right. And like there's this and like the freedom is so 
disjointed from the story sometimes. Like, you know, like, especially that first, like, real chapter, they spend a lot of missions, like, here's the mission that teaches you how to hunt. Here's the one that teaches you how to fish, how to steal stagecoaches. And it's like, well, why do I do any of this stuff? Well, for money. I'm like, I get so much money just from doing the main missions, and the story doesn't progress because I get enough money. It progresses because I did these mandatory missions. Right. I mean, so, and I understand, like, oh, maybe you should just be stealing a stagecoach because it's fun. I, I guess it's way more fun just to actually go do the missions, though, and actually see more story things, because, again, that's what the game is really doing well to me. Yeah. Uh, How do you end up feeling about the um the epilogue? Uh, I... Uh, maybe a little long, but I I liked it. It was cool. Okay. I mean, I, it's kind of hard to say too much about it without being spoilery, and I still don't want to say too right. much. No, yeah, probably sure. a bit long, but but still nice. Okay, yeah, I I've definitely again was another one of those things where I've heard a lot of different opinions on that, and it's uh, uh some people can't like even believe that the game is like still doing that stuff for that long, and other people are like, well, it kind of like you know it it really helps make the points of the, of the story and drives them home and stuff like that. So it's, I could see if you were into the story and you were especially into the characters and that's going to be a nice way to well, send yeah. off. Game. One of the coolest, like kind of sequences of the game definitely happens during the, the epilogue, like not like a big moment, but just this kind of neat moment. That was a uh, definitely worth saying. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I I have been kind of getting urged to like to get back in there and just see like how I would feel about the game now after after our, after this time off and, and just see what I feel. But there's so much else to play and so much else going on. Yeah, I mean, if you did, activity. definitely just kind of kind of beeline the yes. missions towards like the kind of end. There's so, there's there are some fun stranger missions to do just because it's kind of like the like I don't know. It's a lot of them tie into the story in a way, but even then, I don't know how necessary they are. Even if you just did the main missions and, like, the main stranger missions, which you can kind of tell the difference between that and, like, some guy on the side of the road saying that a snake bit him, you know? Right. Um, for me, I've, I've only been playing a few things. I uh, put a little bit of time into uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, uh, which is on the 3DS now, and it comes with that uh, Bowser Jr.'s journey. And uh, that's what's new in the game. This is, like, uh, that and, minion thing from uh, the other yeah. remake? Right, right, and look, it, it's. Um, I think the, there's a lot of characters in there, and uh, you get to uh, see a lot of dialogue between the various um, Koopa kids, which I thought was really cool. And you know, they all think Bowser Junior is an idiot, and that's who you're playing as, and that's fun, and it's it's cool stuff. And then you got to play the game, and it's just this thing where you don't control anything. The characters, like the your team, just runs into the other team like a really bad mobile game, and then occasionally, like one of them builds up enough power where you can do their special move, and then you press A. At the right time, maybe I—I I, I don't know. It's really bad. I really, really hate that gameplay. It's just very it's frustrating. Hard. Why not just make like an RP? Why it's so yeah. weird how Nintendo seems to like be afraid to like make these things traditional RPGs anymore, even when they make like an extra thing to one of their games that was a traditional RPG. Yeah, I just I just don't get it at all. Uh, they already gutted the uh, Paper Mario series, pretty right. roughly. Yeah, so it just yeah, it just feels like. Yeah, it just feels like, I don't know. I don't know who's going to really enjoy this other than if you really want to see that story. Um, and, you know, it's it's probably not as long. And it's probably not quite going to be as, like, as high quality as the core Bowser's Inside Story is. Does but if you ever of, played Bowser's Inside Story, that's still great. Does that kind of, like, solidify what exactly the relationship is, like, between the Koopa Kids and Bowser Jr.? Like, are they siblings? Are the Koopa Kids no, they, not I know, Bowser's I know kids? for sure that they're not siblings anymore. Like, Nintendo's been, like, very clear on that. Bowser Jr. is the only 
kid of of Bowser. So Bowser has only ever uh, ejaculated Spawn. one person. All right, right. <laughs> all right. Well, I mean, if you want to, like, hey, you asked. This is what. This is this where we is go. Not what I asked. That is exactly what you asked. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't, it does seem like it, it does sort of solidify a lot of those uh, relationships. You think anyone's going to play this thing? I mean, it just seems like no one cares about a 3DS I mean, game I, already. I, I don't want to say no one, but yeah. You know what basically, I mean. Basically, yeah. Um, uh, you know, these games are, are coming out at a time when uh, the people that have the 3DS and are still playing it are probably playing it because they have very specific games they want to be playing, and they're just going to keep playing those. I don't know if they're buying a lot of new software. Um, it just doesn't seem like that's the case. The, you know, I don't think any real 3DS game hit the top 10 in the U.S. over the last year or so for the MPD for the MPD report. So, uh, like you know, WarioWare didn't and, and things like that. So I just, yeah, I, it doesn't seem like anyone's going to really play this, and that's a bummer. Uh, I just hope that Nintendo gets on to keeping some of these franchises going in, in uh, other ways on the Switch instead of just like like realizing they have a some dual screen games that they have to remake now for the 3DS before it's too late and they can never do it again. So, yeah. Um, but Bowser's Inside Story, I will say, like, it, it, I've been playing it a little bit, kind of got started. Um, I can see why I like, but it also just feels like this is a really, really um, you know, it's a port they probably did pretty hastily. It's just the, it's just the three, uh, they're just the DS game. Uh, they didn't add 3D. They, it's just like, it doesn't look like they up the art at all for like the slightly sharper screen of the 3DS, even when it doesn't have the 3D on. So it's a bit foggy, like it's a, you know, a bit fuzzy around the edges of like the sprites and stuff. So that's a, it's slightly disappointing, but overall, that's still a really solid game. It's one of the be- better ones of the, the, the Mario I think most Luigi people think series. it's the best one outside of the original, right? Right, Superstar Saga. Superstar Saga is the best for sure. It's got the best characters, best rating. It's it's just I mean, really good gameplay. And then Side Story is pretty. They close. did just skip the second one to get to this one, basically. So right, yes, Partners in Time is not as great for sure. Um, and then I uh, I've been playing Rainbow Six Siege, which I'm not going to talk about. And also, I've, I've been trying that new map in PUBG Vikendi. Um, oh, that's what snow- it is. Yeah, it's the snow map, and it's very good. Um, it is reminding me why I like that game so much. And it's reminding me why I like that game way more than any of the other battle Royals out there. It's, um, I, I guess the, the most surprising thing about it is just how memor- memorable the art is like all of these little towns and, uh, enclaves and ski resorts and all these areas that they put into this map. And like, there's like a, like a dino park thing where there's the, these big statues of dinosaurs and stuff like, all this stuff is super memorable. It's just, it really is going to stick in your brain. Um, and, you know, that always happened with the earlier maps. Uh, but it took a long time to sort of, like, get to a point where, like, I have memories of being in this spot and having battles here. And now I'm here again. Um, with this one, it's just, it's clicking to play into place in- immediately just because the art is so distinct and so well done. Uh, and I, I'm really, really responding to that. And then at the same time, it's just like... They've just made so much, so many improvements to the way the guns feel. The ballistics are so much better than any other game in this space. Um, so that when you are firing a weapon, it feels amazing. Uh, and then the sound is just so much better as well. The sound is just, you, first of all, this is like it is a snowy map. So you have that sort of like wispy, windy sound of like air moving over the snow. And it's like really, it's eerily loud and quiet at the same time. Um, and they capture that really well here. And then just the, the sound of the of the bullets flying around you and people driving around you. It's so accurate and realistic that it just, it really puts you in that space. And uh, it gives you the information you need. And it also kind of gives you that anxiety of like being in a scary fighting zone. So I'm, I'm really digging it, kind of going back to it a lot and, and, and enjoying myself. 
Um, but that's that's kind of been it. Uh, there's some other stuff. I'll I want to try RimWorld, which apparently was like the top rated game on Steam last year. So I I've never played it, but um, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm gonna like start giving these other games a shot instead of just playing old stuff all the time. Okay, Mike, you ready to do the, to do the news? Yeah, I'm ready. All right, I'm gonna hit the button, the news button. Yeah. Yeah, news. Woo! Oh man! All right. Yeah, it's happening. <laughs> okay. Uh, so yeah, like we said earlier, there was a lot of news this week, uh, and it's it did most of it broke Thursday and Friday. Um, let Let's start with maybe the well, I mean, definitely the biggest story of the week. Um, Activision and Bungie broke up, and Bungie's taking Destiny in the divorce, and that's that's sort of the bulk of the story. That's most of the details right there. Um, it's it's it sounds like it was a you know they they agreed on this. It, it, maybe there was like some contractual out where like like. Bungie was able to like meet some some agreement and they were able to just get out of there with the with the game and leave Activision behind and Activision was like yeah that's fine cuz we're we're kind of not sure what to do with this game anymore. Um but yeah those are basically the be- those are basically all the details we have so far. It just it is going to continue that like Bungie is sticking with the series and they're like it it belongs to us now. Um do do you have any other like details any other information that you would want to add? Yeah, so First off, you know, credit to Jason uh, Schreier for breaking this story on Kotaku, which, I mean, God, he must have a heck of a source in there because he was, like, tweeting, like, oh, they're about to have a meeting. Something's going to happen. The meeting's happening now. And it's like, geez. It's like getting yep, text, then, like, updates. Yeah, and then, like, like as soon as he – basically, he posted the story and uh, Bunchy's blog went live at the same time. So, like, they knew he was going to post it, so they were ready to go. Yeah, yeah it was it was a whole thing. But, yeah, he was um definitely kind of updating. So we were kind of – sitting on the edge of our seats waiting to see what happened. And then this was it. And it was pretty surprising. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty nuts. So, you know, to clarify, this isn't like say blizzard splitting up with Activision. Activision doesn't own Bungie. They were just partners on this series with, with Activision publishing it. And like that contract was supposed to go until like 2024, something like that years away. So they got out of it early. We don't know if like Bungie had to pay anything to get out of that contract you would think maybe um, I, I kind of was doing a story collecting what analysts were thinking about this and they kind of had to, you know, change their forecast for Activision for the rest of the year. And they kind of like the, the range that they thought like destiny was going to maybe make this year was within 300 million and 375 million. So that's kind of the money that Activision is quote unquote losing out of, but right. From Activision's perspective, it's been clear, you know, we've been hearing it for a while, that they haven't been happy with how the series has been performing, uh, that it hasn't been meeting expectations. We've also been hearing that there's been, you know, conflict between the two companies, which seems very likely now, given the split. Activision may be wanting them to try to make the game appeal to a broader audience to bring in more money, whereas Bungie maybe wanted to double down on the hardcore crowd to kind of you know, make them happier and maybe get more investment from them and bring in more players that way. Uh, so for Activision, I think it's just they want to get out of it because uh, to them, it's a franchise that's probably going to keep losing money. And, uh, you know, they can now devote resources that they were spending on promoting and marketing and all these other things of this series to other things. And again, it was also an IP they never owned. So they never really were able to make the money off of merchandising or, you know, like these uh cross-media spin-off things, right? Like that. Right. It, it always seemed like a weird deal from the beginning. And then now it just, that, that kind of like hits home. Like when you, when this thing happens, it's like, 
I mean, first of all, what was Activision bringing to the table other than money? And I guess it, that was probably just That's it. it. And well, what well, was Activision have, getting? Well, I mean, Activision, like, you know, Bungie doesn't have things like really like a marketing department, a publishing right. department, you know, a, 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 a place to like make games, to print games, uh, all these kind of things. And that's what they kind of needed from Activision. And Bungie even says like, you know, these days it, things are a bit different. Bungie's still going to need those things to a degree, but so much of the business, especially for a game that's now out, right? Like this is a live service game. So much of that business is going to be digital. Right. That's going to help them a little bit. Uh, I, I still think that's going to be challenging for them, and we'll see how that goes. Uh, a yeah, I mean, yeah, like, pro- I mean, if they do, if they print another game in the future, they'll probably go with something like Five Hundred Five or THQ Nordic right. or something, or NetEase, who they're already partnering with, right? Their, uh, or or even like Microsoft. Microsoft like the, like does some publishing stuff for third party games like that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, uh, a couple interesting things. A, a big one is that for now, the game is going to stay on the BattleNet launcher uh, on PC. So, like, it, which is a little weird because that's that's completely. First off, it was Blizzard's thing, and then when they let Destiny in, that was kind of the big deal. It was the first one, and now they also have Call of Duty. But now there is technically going to be just a non-Activision game on there, which which almost seems a little strange. But right. I, I don't know what else they would do. Like, obviously, you don't want to shift all those players to a different launcher, which you know, might be a little confusing. Unless that launcher is like Epic Games and Epic gives you a lot of money to like make yeah, that right. happen. Yeah, but who knows? Maybe. Yeah. It was also worth noting, Jason Schreier also like said uh, on Twitter that, you know, when this was announced in the Bungie meeting, they were all cheering. You know, they're very happy about this because I mean, I, was anybody not happy about the, it? This is one of those things where I think everyone yeah. felt the same way, except for maybe some people at Activision. But it just seems like everyone was pretty happy. Most of the people in Activision were even happy with right. it, really. Yeah, because I mean, they, I mean, because there was so much tension that one business or the one earnings call where uh, somebody, some kind of executive actors and was like, oh, yeah, the Destiny 2 hasn't been performing like we like. And right. uh, the game's director, uh, Luke Smith, was like, no, we're happy with how it's performed. Right. There's there's always this tension about it. And I mean, you know, it, Bungie's a big studio. I think it's tough for them to, especially you know, they were such a golden child at Microsoft, right? I think it was maybe a little hard for them to be somewhat subservient to Activision. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Again, it's just like, I, I mean, I get why they had to go to Activision, um, but it's just like, it feels so obvious at this point. It's like, I, outside of those, those things that you mentioned, Activision doesn't feel like it brings a lot to the table for a company like Bungie. Um, it's just, it, it may, other than just mostly problems, it just is going to be mostly problems and pressure and innuendo that that you're not performing the way Activision needs and the way Activision games should or whatever. Um, and, 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 you know, and then you hear things coming out of uh, Blizzard where Activision is like putting pressure on Blizzard to do more games. And and uh, maybe that's why Mike Morheim's getting out of there because he just doesn't want to deal with Activision anymore. And Activision's getting more involved. And it's like Activision's in this weird spot where it, where, you know, Destiny didn't work out for him. They still have Call of Duty, which is doing fine. Um, you know, they are pulling back from Heroes of the Storm and they're maybe going to ask Blizzard to start making some more stuff to like to fill in those gaps. But then beyond that, like, what do they have? It's real weird. I mean, Activision's biggest problem with this won't really be like money they're missing out of from Destiny. I don't think that mattered to them. It's more of a, I don't know, a problem, a problem of perceptions, quite the way it's saying it. But, you know, outside of King with the Candy Crush games and then Blizzard and Blizzard's having its, its whole other thing where, it feels like a lot of their game, like none of their games are at their height anymore. It doesn't feel like Overwatch is it's past its height already. 
Uh, Hearthstone's past its height. World of Warcraft is in a downswing with its expansion. So, like, <laughs> you know, there's drama at Blizzard already. But then, like, what does Activision have outside of those two studios? I mean, really, it kind of is like a Call of Duty company right now. Tony Hawk mm-hmm. is done. Guitar Hero's done. Skylanders is done now. Uh, they somehow managed to, like, just sort of drive everything to the ground. And then Destiny was like the one other thing they had and it just never really worked out for them. And now it's going its own way. Yeah. And it, it, it seems like they were, um, you know, it seemed like they knew what they were doing because they always had, like they had Tony Hawk for years and years, uh, a new one every year. And then when that started drying up, they had Call of Duty and then suddenly they had Skylanders. And it's like, this company kind of, it, it knows how to create these things, I guess. And now it just feels like it was like a hit, like a, some lucky hits and then it drove those into the ground and now it doesn't know how to repeat that process anymore. Or, or maybe they just invested so many eggs in these single baskets of, of, okay, now you're a call of duty studio as well, like Raven software. Um, and, and now they don't have any other studio to sort of experiment like they did to create something like Skylanders. Right. And so it's just it's you, a, you, in a weird spot. You understand why they invest so much in call of duty every year. Sure. It's the biggest game, but yeah, it is just like, you know, what else is the only other thing that seems that was substantial have been these remakes of Crash Bandicoot and Spyro, but there's there's not really a future there unless they can kind of they have to get a studio to make those games. And it's in the history of those two games, except for Skylanders, which was kind of a spiral game, but really was more something. Like you kinda need Naughty Dog to make a Crash Bandicoot game. I don't know if they're gonna be up for that or what that the term like Activision would almost never like the terms for that what Naughty Dog would right. want to make that game. And I, I don't think you're going to be able to get uh, Insomniac to make a new Spyro game either. I feel like they have other things to do. Right, yeah. And so it's just like, the future of Activision feels very up in the air, and it feels like they're going to go through a rough spot, and, and who knows, they might have something. But it, it doesn't feel like um, EA, where EA has has struggled. And uh, like Battlefront uh, 2 and, the, and then Battlefield 5 seems to be having some issues. Um, but they are also like, they're coming out with Anthem. They're still taking swings. Um, you know, they've already announced a new Dragon Age from Bioware. Who knows what will happen with that? Uh, I, they, you know, they have, they bought Respawn and, and they have Respawn working on a Star Wars game and some other stuff. And it's like, they are taking swings. And so I, I think like EA's future while like, while their present is maybe, um, tumultuous, their, their future is like, okay, they're going to keep trying to make the next thing happen. And eventually, probably one of those are going to hit, and they'll be they'll be fine for a few years, maybe a decade, and then they'll have to go through the same thing again. Whereas Activision just doesn't seem like it takes swings anymore. It just it relies on what works, and then and now and then what it seems like has happened in the last year is they've woken up and realized we're in a rough spot. We, like you know, Destiny isn't doing exactly how we want it to do. So Blizzard, get off your ass! Come on, make us more games, um, and. That seems like that's what's happening with that company, and I don't know if that's a viable strategy to be no, like it's, Blizzard. <laughs> change your culture and do things differently. Right, than like the way that already done seems to be backfiring uh, in a in a poor way. Right. right, like putting pressure on Blizzard to like carry almost the entire company is is, is almost ridiculous. Uh, I, I think the anthem thing is interesting. I don't think that is completely a coincidence that that's coming out soon. I don't think I think Activision doesn't want to compete with Anthem. Like, maybe they think they can, but they're like, what, great, so we're going to put more money into this thing so that it starts doing even worse now because there's a similar game like it taking customers away. Right. Even if it's like, even if it has like quite a bit of difference in like exactly how it plays, it's still going to appeal to those same Destiny players. 
And it's going to uh, be more exciting for a lot of people as well, just because it's a Bioware game. And there's probably going to be some of that el- the, the element in there that people like about those games. So yeah, uh, a strange time for, for Activision, um, for, for Bungie, like, like it feels like they're just their opportunity here is uh, they could kind of do whatever they want, probably focus on like uh, ensuring they can get more money out of destiny two for maybe a year before moving on to maybe a destiny three or something completely. I mean, they already have that new IP announced with Netties, right? They are working on something completely new with Netties. Right. Um, yeah. That's not a destiny thing. I'm right. Not a destiny thing. Uh, so, uh, do you, I mean, I guess, do you think they make Destiny 2 free to play? Do they just sort of kind of keep going on the path they're on until Destiny 3 and then maybe do something there? It seems like, you- I don't know, It's unless Destiny 2 really falls off, it seems like making a Destiny 3 isn't a, a great idea. I mean, the perception of Destiny 2 seems in a pretty good place right now, and even this itself is kind of making some big buzz. I think they need, relatively quick, some kind of big update for destiny 2 not like an expansion but some kind of big update that is free if you own the game that is really sort of like hey if you have this game come back and if you don't here's a great time to jump in because this thing is happening and it's all us activisions in here boy is this exciting right i, I mean that's i mean and I, I could say that I think the perception of like this game getting away from Activision seems to have people excited and like wanting to see what's next. And they could really play that up and, you know, and say, we are kind of going our own way and doing our own thing. And, and we're going to give you exactly what you want. And I think that could get people back in a way that even the really good Destiny 2 Forsaken uh, did not. So, so yeah, we'll have to just kind of see how they, how they, how they play that and how they kind of go from here. But, um, I don't know. It, it, was a, it was big news. It was exciting. Uh, it's like things are changing. Um, and it just feels like these companies are, uh, some of them are starting to panic, like Activision. Um, I, I feel like EA, maybe Phantom doesn't hit. Uh, EA will probably panic. Um, they won't let Bioware go. They'll probably just close it down the way that they do with all their studios when they start to panic. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I want to, I kind of want to see where it goes. It feels like a, like we are going to be in a pretty shaky time for like big AAA blockbuster video games. If uh, things don't start hitting in, in more uh, solid ways for these companies. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's move on to the next story. This one is, um, another, it was a big one and a weird one. Um, and it was about unity and this, and this service called spatial OS, which is a, an online multiplayer game service that developers use to make their games that are made in a variety of engines, not just unity um, uh, to, to bring, to give them online multiplayer in a pretty easy way. Um, Unity blocked spatial OS, which is uh, owned by a company called improbable. And in reaction to that, uh, improbable posted a blog saying uh, unity is, is kind of taking this action unilaterally and they are, uh, putting developers uh, at risk, at legal risk, who use Spatial OS because they changed their terms of service to make uh, something like Spatial OS um, not viable, not allowed under their rules. Um, this set off a bit of a firestorm for Unity, where people, especially developers, were like, "Unity, what are you doing? Why are you being an asshole? This is this is a really dumb thing to do, uh, especially just just to spring it on people." And Unity responded by saying, "Okay, yeah, we 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 did cut off Spatial OS." Um, but we just cut off Spatial OS and any de- developer that was already using it for a live game or game in, in production is not going to be affected and they could continue using it however they want. Um, and, and not only that, but Improbable knows this. We've told them this. Uh, we've specifically told them that we won't tell any developers that this is going to stop working, that they can just continue using it just fine. And they're kind of deliberately misleading people to to 
drum up a, a bit of this controversy. Um, that doesn't get to like the question of whether what Unity is doing is smart or, or a good thing for developers, which I think a lot of developers would say, um, even if Improbable is misleading people about this, Unity still shouldn't be cutting it off because a lot of developers rely on this stuff. And it's, it's a feature set that Unity doesn't provide itself and doesn't really give an authorized way to, to do that in a, um, in a way that is affordable and viable for a lot of developers. Uh, it got stranger from there, though, because Improbable then posted this really weird blog saying, and it's really, it's kind of, it's hard to paraphrase. It's hard to sum up. Uh, so I'll try to like, just kind of get through it. Basically, they said, we don't believe this is like down to a problem between unity or us. It's, it's about the way things are decided on the internet or the way that services and platforms uh, make decisions. And there should be a code of conduct that platforms have to live by. Uh, so things like this don't happen in the future. And if that's confusing to you, uh, yeah, it's confusing. It didn't make a lot of sense. It was a really, really weird statement. Um, they, they said, they since followed up today with a bit more stuff, but it's, it's kind of more the same. Um, and, uh, that was, that would be the end of the story. Right. But then, uh, late last night after sort of commenting on this all day, Tim Sweeney and the, 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 the CEO of improbable, uh, what's, what's that smelling blood in the water, smelling blood in the water, Tim Sweeney, who is the CEO of Epic games, uh, penned a blog post with the, the CEO of improbable announcing that they were uh, creating a $25 million fund for developers who are making unity games, who want to shift away from unity to something else. What like, could who it knows? be? Who knows? Maybe something like unreal engine, which Epic games makes, it makes a ton of money from, um, this definitely seemed like a thing where it's like Epic games is sitting on a lot of money from Fortnite, and they were just waiting for something like this to happen. And the moment it happened, uh, they're like, it, the details didn't really matter too much. It's just like, we're going to show that we're different. We, we like, we don't have anything such thing as an authorized partner like unity does. If you want to go use spatial OS, go use anything like that. We don't care. Um, and you know, and if you want to use an open platform like that, here's a way to get to that. And here's some money. Uh, cause we have plenty of money to spare. Um, so yeah, it was ambulance chaser esque, wasn't it? A, a bit for sure. It just seemed like, Oh, this is a, this Very is pretty convenient that you're here. Yeah. Yeah, it was um it was definitely it, it was an opportunist striking at an opportunity right. for the sure. skies and altruism, but it yes, kind of yeah, and it, and that is sort of uh, that is becoming a bit of a, his shtick and I think it may be it, like for me it's starting to wear a bit thin. I don't know for most people if it is. For me it's like okay. Come on. We we know what's happening here. You don't have to make it all about like oh that we're all for the, the poor indie all the time. people, yeah. It's just like you have so much money that it, it, that at a certain point it is um meaningless to you to give it away and yes it's great that you are like doing things to help developers in that process but also at the same time it's like the chaos that you're that you're trying to create which is not like a bad thing creating chaos in a marketplace is not bad stagnation is way worse than chaos but the chaos that you're trying to create is is being done with the very a very specific purpose of benefiting the epic games store and unreal engine and and that is the end goal here and you're one of the companies that once that chaos really starts to take off and people are like, oh, I, I can't use Unity. What am I going to use? Or, or when people are like, um, like you know, I'm going to leave Steam. Where am I going to go? Uh, you're one of the companies that's like, well, we have some money. If you want to come here, we can help you out and make that happen. And and so it is a very, um, yeah, ambulance chasing is, is kind of how it feels for sure. Um, it, it, we both wrote stories about this yesterday. And all of this stuff happened within the course of like between... It's 
just getting eight a.m. and like weirder. nine p.m. Because at first it crazy. just seemed like it was like you you know you you only get the one side of the story, and as usual you side with that side at first. You're like, oh, right. oh Unity is being so mean to these people, and then you know you get the Unity response, and you're like, well, I see the other side of the story. Who knows what's happening? And then Improbable does that really weird <laughs> blog post. I'm like, what? What does this mean? Right. Like I, it's like I, honestly, the only thing I'm sure of is that this is some spicy beef right here. Mm-hmm. And and it seems it seems and like in Unity's blog they're like they've we've been telling them uh, this for two years that they are in violation of our terms of service and and we need to make a deal. Um, this wasn't a surprise to them, and it just feels like Improbable was never ever ever gonna make a deal. And well, but then like well, I mean Improbable then says no, like a higher person from Unity said that we weren't violating the terms of service. So it's literally just like well, I don't, well okay then who do I believe? I don't know. Yeah, and the, yeah, and then in that weird blog, Improbable was like, "Oh, both sides are making mistakes, and this is why we need that code of conduct." Um, and and then Epic Games stepping in to be like, "We're standing with this person who's being very weird." <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that was yeah, okay. the weird to say was Epic Games' involvement in it all. It's just like, like yeah, we cool. stand with you, and that means we're standing with the developer. And I'm like, I'm not sure necessarily that Improbable was like standing with the developer. They just seem a bit odd, uh, right. is all. It- and it's there. You definitely see how maybe that first improbable post was a bit fear mongery with like, oh, and now all these games are going to be in legal trouble, maybe. And right. you know, a lot of people were freaking out on on Twitter and stuff about this. And it, it certainly seems like that was overblown a bit. I yes. mean, it, it's weird. And I also do feel like maybe I feel like Unity probably should have been a bit more lenient about this. And I understand maybe they're frustrated, but should have maybe worked harder on it. Right. But I don't know. All fair. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know either. It's it, it like Unity doesn't have Fortnite, you know that like they are looking to make a living from this engine, um, in a way that like Epic Games is not anymore. Where where they, they still make plenty of money from Unreal, um, but Unity has a very different strategy. Like that, like that, I think Unreal has a licensing fee that where you, if you sell a game using Unreal, Unreal just gets five percent of whatever you make in terms of revenue. Unity doesn't have that. They just have a license fee up front, and then they hope you buy some stuff off its asset store, and they have this very different model, so they're clearly trying to make these partnerships to ensure that, like, you can't suddenly go to Spatial OS, and then maybe Spatial OS has its own asset store. And this is something that's pretty standard, because um, uh, if you, like, try to, like, release a, a program that has its own program store on iOS or Android, Google and Apple will shut that down. They're like, you can release almost anything on our stores except for your own store that would supplant our our sort of our, our OS level marketplace. Um, so I can appreciate kind of where Unity is coming from. But at the same time, it does seem like, yeah, they need to be more lenient. Most developers are just like, we need this stuff. So figure it out. Um, and, and it does seem like Unity probably should have just figured it out. Now, now, clearly this had to be the weirdest story of the week, right? <sighs> um. <laughs> <laughs> You would hope so. Uh, it was not. Um, let's yeah. Let's hop into that right now. I was going to do the Ubisoft one uh, and Epic Games one, uh, but let's let's get to that in a second. So the, the weirdest the, one. There have been some developments since we've been recording. That I don't even know if you know about. So I probably don't. So let, let me go over what I know so far, and then you fill me in. Okay. Oh so here's the headline. Uh, this one came from Kotaku again. Jason Schreier doing good work. Uh, former Gearbox lawyer accuses CEO Randy Pitchford of uh, taking secret $12 million bonus in lawsuit that Gearbox calls absurd. Um, so basically, there's a former lawyer for Gearbox. Uh, his name's Calendar. I can't remember his first name. Um, he was a really good friend of Randy Pitchford. He worked for Gearbox. 
And uh, they were in a good relationship until about two years ago. <laughs> and now, since then, uh, a few months ago, Gearbox sued Calendar for a variety of reasons. Uh, and here they are. I have them listed down. Um, uh, one of them is not paying back money that he borrowed from Gearbox to buy a home. Uh, he also destroyed evidence related to that loan. Uh, a court, these are all accusations from Gearbox. None of this is confirmed. You could say anything in a lawsuit. Who knows? Uh, that's going to be very important in a moment. Um, he uh, also allegedly used a company credit card to pay for family vacations, gun club memberships, and, quote, trying to get six-pack abs, which is just one of the finest sentences I've ever read. Um, in response, Calendar then sued Randy Pitchford, the CEO of Gearbox, and, um, accused him of taking a secret $12 million bonus that was apparently supposed to go towards uh, the, you know, towards a game or something towards borderlands or something like that. He also accused him, uh, accused him of, um, and to, to be clear, calendars admits that this is hearsay, that he heard someone say this and he believes it, uh, that Randy Pitcher leaved a U left a USB drive in a Texas restaurant that contained secret files for the company of gearbox, as well as, um, a folder full of underage pornography. So this is a weird one. And again, that last point uh, is very much hearsay, like, like fourth hand. Cause the guy that's accusing him of this doesn't even have direct knowledge. He admits that. So Mike, is that everything you said? There's more. Well, first off, oddly like David Eddings, who used to work at, at gearbox. He's the big guy there. He just tweeted. And uh, and all it says two hours ago is, yes, comma, it's true. Now, we don't know what part he's talking about. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, and then the weird thing is, there's apparently there's a podcast on December 22nd of some show called The Piff Pod. Randy Pitchford was a guest on it, and he talks at length about how he lost the USB stick filled with his porn. And the, like, the, an employee at Medieval Times got it, took it home. God. It had the secrets of this company and future games development and there was pornography on it. Now, he said in there it was barely legal porn. It was mostly, it sounds like he was recording cam girls and keeping it himself on this thumb drive. And he was, he kept all this, mind you, because he was studying it to learn the magic trick. That's kind of his terminology here behind um, their, uh, well, you know, things. I don't want to get into too much detail. So it definitely, it, it seems confirmed at the very least that Randy Pitchford had a USB stick filled with porn. Now, he, <laughs> I, I don't know if it was underage or not, but I don't know. I mean, gosh. Okay. I don't know if you, my jaw has dropped because everything you said in that entire thing was just more bizarre than the last. Um, I mean, Randy Pitchford has always been a, a, a douche, right? Like, no one likes him. I mean, I'm, I think the douche is a very accurate um, description of... If, well, I mean, there's another word for that. He's a magician. He is <laughs> literally a magician. Uh, that's a thing he does. Apparently, in the past, he has thrown, like, company parties where he put on magic shows as the entertainment and... His employees watch that, and that seems like a thing a douche magician would do. Um, but it was always like, that's quirky and weird. They make okay games. I like the Borderlands fine, Borderlands just fine. So, all right. Um, you know, they, they definitely had a, they have a weird history, right? They're the company that made the really bad Aliens Colonial Marines with Sega. And it seems like that, you know, them and the uh, another company they worked with and Sega, like they all kind of botched that in their own special ways. 
Uh, but it definitely seems like Gearbox was responsible for a lot of that mishap. Um, and you know, there was lawsuits with that and, and Gearbox was very combative about that whole situation, which I guess you have, have to be as a company. Um, all of this stuff though is, um, much different, I guess <laughs> this is much more lurid. Um, and I, I guess, I mean, if it's cam girls and they all claim they're 18, I don't know, I guess that man, I don't even want to get into that. Cause I don't, I don't know what the legal ramifications of that is. I mean, and then it's knows. just, just, that's just strange, I guess. Right. Like, yes. why are you carrying that? Why do you have that on the same USB as like development info about your company's next games that haven't been announced and then also being so negligent that you leave it at medieval times? Like that's you right. know, that's incredibly stupid. I'm not sure if it's illegal. It might be. Uh, it's like every aspect of that is okay. So uh, yeah, who knows about like whether that is like, worthy of a civil lawsuit or whatever? That's like Calendar and and Pitchford can figure that out themselves. That is their business. I actually don't even care. Who cares? Whatever you guys do there, sue each other all you want. Whatever the the concept of a, a CEO, an owner of a company storing porn and company data on a USB drive that he carries with him to medieval times. All of like those beats right there <laughs> are in, indicative of a man who probably is not a very good like CEO and leader of a company. I mean, to me, that's what it says to me that you're going to medieval times and have a good time. And somehow you have your USB stick in your pocket with porn and company secrets. It's a very bizarre thing for a grown man to be doing. Um, and, and I'm a very like irresponsible person. So I can like be like, well, a lot of times stuff like this happens. I'm like, okay, I can kind of get it. This kind of goes beyond the pale in a few ways. I feel it's just nuts. weird. And yeah. it's going to be interesting to see what the fallout here is. If I mean, if it, I wonder if we're going to have to wait for actual course stuff to happen or if fallout's going to be much faster, if there's going to be a revolt within the company. Uh, right. And yeah, who knows? Cause like, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was just, the filing because then you can say well that's hearsay and whatnot then like this podcast existing with randy kind of confirming at least part of it not the worst part of it but confirming right. enough of it that it's real weird and th there's this um there's this ars technica story now where uh gearbox ceo confirms he left usb stick of porn at medieval times so it's like yeah like they just flat out he's just flat out saying it so uh my guess would be that he is is confident that the, the porn is not like the kind of trafficking child porn that would put you in prison. Like that's something that happened with like Silicon Knights of many years ago, the company that made internal darkness. And then they tried to make the sequel and they uh, had a bunch of uh, Kickstarter campaigns that failed spectacularly. And then um, the company sort of just dissolved because one of the members of that team got in trouble for that in Canada. Um, and, and you know, that is a criminal uh, lawsuit at that point. Um, I would imagine that if he's out here talking about it and, and proudly, and he's not like trying to like keep it on the down low, that he believes that he is not in in violating any crimes by you know having that USB stick. Well, I mean, again, this this podcast or something like the seven twenty second, people probably wouldn't even notice or care, except this now it's like corroborating like part of the story in this lawsuit. Right. Yeah. I and it just, I mean, you know. So this stuff aside. Um, the thing that uh, the calendar is accusing uh, uh, of, as well as like taking a secret $12 million bonus, that is maybe a bit more of an issue, I think, uh, as long as, you know, as long as it's not child porn, like taking money out of your company as the leader and kind of doing so secretly and uh, not like not being very transparent about like where that money is going within your company. 
Um, I think I feel like that's something that could also like lead to a, a revolt where people just don't want to work for someone who is sort of treating the company like their own bank account. Um, and again, it's just sort of like, yeah, it feels like that is kind of the way he was treating this business. So, or is treating this business. So yeah, it's just a, a, another I mean, two, weird story to end this week. 2K can't be happy. You have to assume that they are working on Borderland, Borderlands 3 right now, right? And, you know, 2K is probably right, again. Maybe, but maybe, I mean, why is that game not surfacing? Like, maybe that's part of why. It like, is, right. Like, it is kind of weird how long that has taken, huh? Yeah, it feels like it should not have taken this long. I mean, they they just released Borderlands 2 VR, which is a game that exists, Um and I think it's really weird that that came out. I just, I don't get that yeah. one. Um, it had like a commercial and everything. That was right. like a live action commercial. I'm like, what for this? Okay. Right, exactly. It's weird. Um, yeah, I don't know. So maybe like there's some mismanagement happening there. And 2K is starting to be like, man, we should maybe just kind of not do some sunk cost, um, you know, misjudgments here and just sort of pull out. And maybe we don't need Borderlands 3 or we could do something else uh, or just wait and see what happens with some of this stuff. Um, you know, I, that, I'm there. I'm just guessing. I'm speculating. I have no idea, but I could see people at 2K like doing their due diligence and sort of coming to that conclusion even before this stuff comes out. So, so yeah, uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I do. I, this probably you're right. This probably isn't like the end of the story for a lot of this stuff. We'll probably have to wait and see. I, I would imagine though um, that this particular you know these lawsuits and the counter lawsuit. They're probably going to get settled. Just so not, a lot of this stuff doesn't have to get dragged out in court, but we'll see. It's interesting. And this weird thing too is like these two people apparently were friends at one point and close. And the fallout was, you know, when you accuse somebody of child pornography, that's a pretty bad fallout. Yeah. Yes, it is. It is. Um, that's like going to be me and you 10 years from now. Yeah. I mean, it's inevitable. It's going to have to happen someday. So yeah, you're going to be the one I accused though. Let's be clear. Fair enough. Um, Okay, so some other stories. Um, I mentioned this one. Uh, Ubisoft is not going to release The Division 2 on Steam. Instead, it is going to release it on the Epic Games Store and Uplay. Um, you could pre-order it now. If you pre-order it on either one of those stores, you get like access to the beta and stuff, but completely bypassing Steam altogether. And um, that one definitely feels like another one of those times where Epic sort of was like, hey, come on. Ubisoft, we could do this. You don't need to do Steam. If you have me, if you have Uplay and Epic, you're probably going to get as many people on PC as you would have gotten with Steam and Uplay. So, so why not just go for it? You're you're a big name. You can draw people. We're already drawing people with Fortnite. Why not just come here? Maybe we can help with some marketing budget or something like that. Uh, who knows if that's part of the deal? Um, but yeah, it just it's it's Epic Games just making moves to keep things shaking up on the on the PC side of things. Uh, it's another one of these interesting things that they're just spending their money on for sure. I mean, it's just one of, one of the earliest signs that there might actually be something to this Epic Games store, but we'll see. Right. And, it's, and, and, and this is not going to stop uh, uh, Ubisoft from uh, eventually releasing the game on Steam if they have to, if they feel like they did miss out on any sales. But at this point, it's like, you know, Epic could capitalize and they really could just drive home that, like, you don't need Steam. And that is just as likely as a, a as a, a thing that could happen. And then more companies are going to be like, well, let's just go to Epic because we'll get way more money for each sale. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, so two kind of offshoot things here. Um, I, I think it's funny that in most weeks, this would have been the biggest story of the week, but not right. now. Kind of think talking about Valve and Steam in general, man, uh, what is happening with Artifact? What's, what's I, don't, I, I don't know. It, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, what, what do you mean? What, no, it seems like there is absolutely no buzz around that game. Like, I don't even mean positive. I, mean, yeah. I feel like people 
I feel like that game came out. We all thought it was going to be a, at least kind of a big deal. And, like, it, it feels like that game may as well not have come out for as much as I hear about it. Yeah, I, I it, it definitely does not seem like it has the conversation going around it that you would have expected the way that the lead up built up to that game. Um, I mean, I, and when I do see people talking about it, most of it is about like the business model and the price. And I think that's a lot of people who maybe ha- would have had some interest in the game, not buying it and not buying in. Cause they're like, well, I have to pay up front and then I'm going to have to like spend some more money down the line. I don't, I don't know if I want to commit to that now. Um, it's definitely, it seems like it has this barrier to entry that was, that acted as a real barrier and it, and it kept a lot of people who maybe had some curiosity about it, about it away. And it's not like, you know, it's valve. So it's not like one of those games where you're like, Oh, I want to get in there and see what's going to happen. Cause maybe this, I guess is going to go away. You have faith at least before it comes out that, you know, they'll, they'll see it through. So if it's not where it's at, at the beginning, if I don't hear immediately that I need to be playing this game, I'll wait a little bit, invest down the line. Maybe the price will come down. I'll get it during a sale. And I'll know, and by then they'll have uh, like shaken off all of these these cobwebs of these ideas that aren't working, and they'll have this leaner experience and know, and there'll be like a lot of guides online exactly how to spend your money to get the most out of it. And I think, yeah, I think that sort of kind of bit this game in the ass a little bit, and everyone sort of found themselves in that boat and didn't jump on board this game in a way that I think Valve was expecting. So, kind of last question there is: if if this game flops, do you think that makes it more or less likely that Valve like goes and makes a new AAA like video game again? I, I would be. I would think it would make it more likely. I feel. I mean, they're probably going to have to. Be, I don't know. More likely because if this game did really well, it would be the game that's like sort of drawing people into Steam, uh, just like there are other games that do really well that are their first party games, Counter Strike and uh, Dota Two, uh, and, and Team Fortress Two to an, to an extent. Um, but this game is not doing that. So, and they, they're going to need it because division two is not coming to steam. Um, and, and you know, that's just, that's going to keep happening over and over. And sure. Every indie game is going to come to steam, uh, but every indie game is going to go to everything and they're and not going to just, yeah, yeah. It seems like exactly. a lot and they're still better on Switch. games now. Right. Into the breach is yeah, sure. It came out to steam first, but then the next thing it came to was switch. And I would imagine as if, if things keep trending in that direction where Everything sells way better on Switch than on everything else, including PC. Um, a lot of those indie games are probably going to just come to Switch first. Um, they'll do the work to be like, yeah, I'm developing this in a tool that makes it really easy to publish on Steam automatically, but I will get more buzz and more sales up front if I just put it out on Switch first. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to put Steam in an awkward position, but then it does have to have big games coming to it. Uh, it just does. It, it needs those tent poles. Uh, it needs to be the place where you can go play big PC games. And if that's not going to be the division two, then what is it going to be? It, and you know, it's not going to be anything from Epic. It's not going to be anything from EA. It's not going to be anything from, from Activision. Uh, I just bad on it now. Even I mean, Call right. of Duty's not even on Steam anymore. Exactly. So it's like, so who yeah, is it? What's happening now? Yeah. It's got it. They've had, they, I mean, I'm, they do have a developer now. They, you know, they bought um, the company that made uh What's that? God damn it. Uh, I can't think. Campo Santos, the name of the developer. Um, yeah. You know, they're working on something and they you know, they got Eric Wolpaw back who wrote Portal and Portal 2. It seems like they have got a lot of these people back that when they left, it was like, oh, they're not even going. That's it. Half-Life's done. Seems like a lot of these people have come back. Right. So, I, and, 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 you know, I know they have that flat structure of like, oh, you know, everyone should just go work on whatever they think is important. That's how we should run the company. But then, you know that works when when you are the dominant platform and everyone has. It to works until it doesn't. 
Yeah, you're right. It works until it doesn't. And it feels like at this point, you could you could imagine them saying, what, what, what's going on? Or like, how do we fix this? And like, one of the solutions to that is, well, Half-Life 3 or whatever, or whatever, like any game. But I think know, it's, I, I think we should just straight up say Half-Life 3. I think it should just be that. At this point. I think, I mean, I, I like, why? <laughs> like, come on. It's like, you're motivated now. You have a reason. Like, just do it. Like, figure it out. Like, be the company that figures out how to do Half-Life 3. Like, like you were always supposed to be. You clearly gave up on that. Now just do it. And and then that's going to be a lot of your problems solved right there, at least for a little bit. If you could prove that you're still the valve that people fell in love with 15 years ago, um, a lot of this narrative is going to fall away about Epic Games and Fortnite and all that stuff because people really just care about games more than even platforms. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Valve will have to figure that out. Um, a few more stories here, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Uh, the uh, Another big story that probably would have been big on another week was uh, PlayStation 4 sales surpassing 91.6 million units worldwide. Uh, Spider-Man uh, sold 9 million copies on its own, and I believe they sold, and that was just like up through November, not even through the end of the year. Um, and they sold like 5 million PlayStation 4s from... Uh, just before Thanksgiving through December 31st worldwide. Uh, so these are just huge numbers. It, it's selling really well yeah. still. So interesting things here. Lifetime sales of PlayStation 3 were 83.8 million-ish. So already above that for PlayStation 4. Original PlayStation 1 02.49, so likely could probably cross that uh, this year even. Uh, PlayStation 2 was like around 155, best-selling system ever. Don't know if it's going to get there. Yeah, uh, seems tough. That seems tough, but the system has been doing incredibly well. And, and, and it's like, again, it, you know, brings us back to something we, I think we've talked about a lot where, why would you go with a PlayStation five anytime before you have to? And it feels like, yeah, they definitely don't have to like after this holiday clearly shows that the, the demand is still there. People want to be buying the system to be playing the games that are coming out now um, with, with some of the promise of what's, what's yet to come. Um, so, so yeah, I don't know. I, f- I feel like they can c- just continue riding the PlayStation 4 for a little bit, riding this momentum, which is just, you know, and, and you know, trying to, like, really capitalize on the back half of its life in a way that uh, you you couldn't in the past. I mean, they did with last generation. All the systems did. But this system is selling so much better than the PlayStation 3. It's like they could really just put a lot of money in the bank with the system right now and then be way, way more prepared for PlayStation five. And it also doesn't seem like they're going to feel the pressure from Microsoft. Cause I don't think, I don't think one company is going to move without the other. They're going to launch side by side again. They, well enough that, I mean, unless they were absolutely obsessed with being in first place, like, you know, there's also doing fine. It doesn't seem like they necessarily need to make that jump. Right. Uh, so other inter- interesting thing about Spider-Man. So, it seems to be the best-selling game on PlayStation 4 now. It's kind of hard to tell because, like, the other best was Uncharted 4 at 8.7 million, but, like, that number was last reported, uh, like, on January 4, 2017. So there's been some time since then. I imagine it's probably above 9 now, but it also doesn't go in. It's, its legs are much shorter now than Spider-Man are, which is still a relatively new release. So Spider-Man will ultimately be a bigger hit than Uncharted 4. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's accurate. I think that's the right reading here on what's what's happening with that game. And I think I think we all kind of felt that like when it came out, it's like, oh, this is like the biggest game to come out this generation in terms of like sales and excitement and people just and people that were not even really playing games uh, or didn't own one of these systems when something like Uncharted 4 came out. Uh, they were like, I'm buying it for Spider-Man. Of course I am. That game is, is huge. It's the one I want. And now Activision has to try to get those people to make a new Spyro. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Have fun with that. Um, yeah, I think that does it for that story. Uh, just a couple more quick ones. Then AMD announced uh, the Radeon seven, which is it's, uh, it's follow up to the Vega. The seven is Roman numerals. So it's like V I I. So it's like Vega two, but also Radeon seven because it's the seven nanometer process that it's using for it, uh, for the first time ever for a GPU. Um, it sounds like it's going to be probably about as powerful as an RTX 2080 um, at about the same price, maybe a little bit more affordable, depending on which 2080 you talk about. Um, I uh, I don't know. It's a faster card, and that's great, but it's not exactly um, going to be super exciting beyond that because in that price range, you know, you're going to expect a lot, but you're really just kind of getting a faster card. And there's not a lot of the bells and whistles that like uh, RTX has with ray tracing and a lot of this other stuff uh, that NVIDIA has been pushing. And then, you know, if you want the fastest card ever, that's still going to be a 2080 Ti. I mean, it's significantly more expensive, but if you're spending $700 on a card, you probably also have a 4K monitor or like a, uh, you know, 144 frames per second, 1440p monitor. You probably have the money. Why wouldn't you just go with the best card available? So, um, it's in a weird kind of no man's zone. It feels like in terms of pricing and performance. So, uh, I mean, it's great that they're creating competition for NVIDIA. It just doesn't feel like it's necessarily the right competition for, uh, what AMD would need to really get people to start considering it over what NVIDIA has. Um, and then let's see, I think, uh, Dragon's Dogma, Dark Risen got confirmed for the switch. It's coming April 23rd. And it's a game I never played. Me neither, and I'm definitely going to play it on the Switch. Uh, I've heard, I, it's one of those games where it's like it came out, it got I think it got pretty good reviews, but also some mediocre reviews, and then there was people who just loved it at the time, and then since then, you only ever hear the people talking about it who loved it, and they still love it, and then they go back to play it, and they love it even more. Uh, so it's like, okay, I'm excited to actually give that a shot yeah. in a way when I didn't originally. Um, and then the last story, this is just a sort of an aside. Game, dev, game devs are saying that... Um, Linux users make up only 0.1% of all sales, but they represent 20% of all crashes and Uh-oh. like report tickets. So you could see why Linux support is maybe even as it gets easier to do technologically while it, why it's still maybe not something that a lot of developers want to do just because it, it's going to cost them money in the end if it's 0.1% of sales and 20% of your problems. So, Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, that's going to do it, Mike. Why don't we go ahead and tell everybody where they can find us on the internet? And get yeah, what a here. week. Yeah, it was, a, it was a hell of a week all of a sudden. Um, I think Monday and Tuesday happened and there wasn't a ton. Uh, Wednesday, it felt like, okay, maybe people are starting to get back on their feet. And then just Thursday happened. And now this was, this was the whole thing. Yep. Yeah. Oh man. For sure. I bet it's going to be, I bet it's going to stay like that for a while too. I bet next week's going to start right back up and it's going to be pretty crazy. There's like events coming up. Like people are showing off games that are coming off in February. Like it's starting to feel like we're just getting right back into it. Like I, I, there's some new games getting announced that people don't know about yet that are going to be pretty exciting. So yeah, it's happening. Well, anyways, you can find me at Tolkoto. That's T O L K O T O. You can hear me beg people for, Praise after beating Fantasy Star 4 and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> also on the Exploding Barrel podcast, that's at ebpodcast.com. And I am Jeff Grubb on Twitter, uh, youtube.com slash, uh, slash Jeffrey Grubb, um, twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb. Get me on there, watch me. I'm going to be streaming some. Um, yeah, and check us out. We also got that eco game I talked about last time. Setting that up, I'll probably have a post about that, a blog post where I talk to the developers, kind of get some pointers about 
how we should handle a game that's going to be this large and get some ideas about how to use it. So keep an eye out for that. But if you um, if you're interested, just reach to me, reach out to me on Twitter and we could talk about it. But otherwise, let's get out of here. Everyone go enjoy your weekend. We'll be back next week. Talk to you all then. Until then, have a good one and goodbye. Bye.